It's a great day to flex your freedom. I'm your host, Barb Allen. Today, we are here with someone you may recognize if you've been with us for a while or if you're just on the internet and you enjoy some political commentary with a little humor twist because there is, I feel like we've got to the point where on most days, all we can really do is find something to laugh about because the unfunnier it is, the funnier we need it to be, or we're all going to be crying ourselves to sleep every night. So um, today's guest is somebody who helps us figure out what's going on but still gives us a little zinger of hope even while he's keeping it real with us. Uh, You may know him as Bobby Sausalito, Take Naps. Maybe you were lucky enough to catch him live at our Great American Summit last year. Uh, We gave him the the honor of having the very first spot on the second day (laughs) because we knew that people would need him to help wake him up and he did a banging job and we are going to drag you back next year to join us, Bobby. Thanks for joining us here today. Yes, my pleasure. Glad to be back. All right. So I'm going to start off with one one quick question to get this ball rolling, because obviously we are now the Flex Your Freedom podcast. Dave and I are all about freedom in all of its forms. So we're going to I'm going to start off with asking you when we talk about freedom, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Being having the ability to be in control of your time is the thing that first comes to my mind when I think of freedom. I mean, I'm I'm so thankful for all the other freedoms that America gives us, like speech and so forth. But uh, to me, when I think of freedom, the first thing that I think of is time. If if I if we understand that time is the most valuable asset that we have on this planet, then that is the thing that I always uh, I always think of first. Yeah. Well, you know what I think. When you put it that way, everything else, all the other areas of freedom need to be in place in order to have freedom with our time. There are so many encroachments on our overall freedoms that they will, if left unchecked, (laughs) result in nobody having freedom over their own time. Uh, so I, that's a well, well-played answer there. And we can dig into that here in a little bit, but let's talk first. There's a lot that's happened. A lot has changed for you and grown for you since we last had you on this platform. And since we last saw you in person, or I saw you in person at yep. our, at our summit, cause I know you ran into Dave a while ago as well, but mm-hmm. talk about what this past say seven months have brought for you, because as we're all doing in this community of ours that we've built you know, colloquially here among, among patriotic Americans. It's fun seeing everybody evolve and grow and take this path and that path. So where are you going, Bobby Sauce? Well, it's, it's like every, every single move that we make will, will advance us at a certain rate. And there's always this stagnating when, when you have a, when you're like an internet, I guess you could say business personality, whatever you want to say, you always have to be kind of innovating much like a much like any normal business would but online it's like the pace of the information is so quick and it's not like you close down at five o'clock it's it's always there so if you're sitting on the couch you're thinking about it if you're scrolling on instagram and looking at other businesses you're like well what did i put out today am i getting better if my numbers are lower this week than last week it's like this constant um this constant reminder so i find myself having to do a couple things consistently. One is how am I innovating and how am I getting better? What's the what's the thing that I'm doing to level up from where I was 60 to 90 days ago? And then also, am I making sure that I've set aside enough time for me to get out of all of the mess and live life? Because interestingly enough, when we when we back up from being all in all the time, we actually 
we actually come in stronger when we come back. I remember about a year ago, I was like, I need to stop prioritizing making a video the first thing when I wake up and I need to make sure that I start going to the gym instead and I'll make the video later because what's more important, my health or or the business? And because like without my health, there is no business. So anyways, so I started making sure that I went to the gym and on the way to the gym, I actually started making videos with that sloth face that I do. And one of those sloth, sloth face videos that I made in the 10 minute drive that I had to the gym actually performed better than the videos that I was really working hard on for an hour at the house before I went to the gym. So I'm reminded of that regularly. Um, and then as far as where I'm going in general, I started doing a, a stand-up comedy type of bit. Um, I opened for Chad Prather here in Florida, and I actually have four more uh, like opening slash comedy shows booked um, in the next couple of months. And then in the meantime, I also realized that you know I'm outputting all of this content. There's two ways that I can go about it. I can either slice and dice it up into a thousand other different pieces and try to repurpose it, or I can figure out a way to make more. So I started maximizing how much content I was putting out, as many reels a day as I could, as many writings a day as I could, and I realized that I have to start. I have to start doing something that um, repurposes this as well, in addition to me being able to put everything out. So I invested all this money into this camera, into this microphone, and now I turn my typical live streams that I do online into a podcast. So now I have a Spotify and Apple Podcast, and yet another stream and a new innovation of the. Uh, strategy. So that's what's been going on lately. Nice. And it's, it is cool, right? To see how you have to, how you have to evolve and how you have to add things and tweak things to go. I feel like back in the day when I first started, ventured into this world of entrepreneurship and trying to find my own path, right? It was like, first at, at the basics, you needed like now I'm older than you, right? So in the basics, you needed a business card. And then, and then the business card became a book. And then the book mm -hmm. became two books. And then the two books became, you need to have a best-selling book. And then it became, you need a podcast and you need, oh, the website also came before the book even. Um, so you need the website, but you need, you can't just have like this little WordPress website. You yoink up yourself here in an hour anymore. You have to have the spot on professional <laughs> website and then you need yep. to have the podcast, but you can't just have the little podcast. You have to be consistent and go at it for years. So it's like, it's crazy. If somebody had told me years ago that, Hey, you're going to have to have, you know, you're going to have books and a podcast and this platform, you're going to do that. I'm like, you're out of your mind, but it's so, it feels so mainstream now. Like this is just, it's all part of the package that is the foundation really. Like all of this just builds a foundation. And without the Without the like staying power, I think is the secret ingredient in <laughs> the commitment. All of that is going to be a waste, right? Yeah, no, for sure. It, it's it's always kind of funny when people say that they want to start a business or get into an entrepreneurial venture because the one thing I try to remind them is there is no plan B. You, you have to be willing to have an unlimited amount of failures before anything works. And even when things work, they never work quite like you thought they would work. And they certainly never work quite in the time frame that you thought they would work. So you kind of have to be this endlessly flexible, malleable entity that's willing to that's willing to never stop having it on your mind because uh, no matter what what we focus on tends to grow and I've made every mistake in the world and if you were to look at where I am now versus where I was 1 year ago, 5 years ago, 10 years ago, I would be thrilled by the progress, but then you kind of look out into the marketplace and you're like, well, you know what? 
Am I going fast enough? Am I working hard enough? Is it going as far as I can? Do I have the urgency necessary to be at the level that I think I should be at or want to be at or whatever? And then on top of all that, it's like, we're not getting any younger. It's like, when am I going to die? You know, is it, <laughs> is it, is that, you know, am I factoring that in? Am I living my life? So um, I think that the other thing that I didn't used to think much about was I always thought that it would happen in this time frame. Like uh, by the time I'm X age, this will have occurred and that will be the success that I thought um, I needed to have. But what I, what I didn't realize is that, you know, even though I think I'll live to 80, 90 something years old, it's very, it, it, it's plausible that I could live to 45 years old, 50 years old, or, or even earlier. And I have to make sure that although I'm questing after that, that I'm also making sure that I'm squeezing the fruit out of life. And on top of all that, you know, what is the, what is the definition, what is the definition of success for you? And one of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, an unhurried sense of time is in itself a form of wealth. So I think about that often where it's like, I don't set an alarm in the morning. I don't wake up and go and do a job that I don't like. And this is my job, cameras and a shirt that I made with my name on the back. I mean, how, how fun is that? And it's like, do I need, do I need a, a mansion for that? Do, do I need a Lamborghini for that? Or is this not already pretty great? And even though you want all of those things, it's like, as long as you're progressing forward, isn't that kind of part of the mix as well? What if you just hit it 20 years ago? Would you still be happy? How far would you have to be pushing it now? And it's like, it's like if we can if we can understand that our goals have to be kind of like how we live day to day, then things are actually pretty great as long as you're progressing. Yes, I think that is well said. And you hit that on you hit that nail on the head for me, man. I just turned freaking 50 last week, right? So I had all these things in my mind. I'm like, by the time I'm 50, I'm gonna uh -huh. do blah blah. But you would think like my life would have taught me because all these things I was gonna do just just <laughs> Went, right. went away, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, 20s for this, 30s for this, 40s for that. And who knows? I'm like excited and terrified to see what the 50s are going to bring, right? So um, <laughs> you, I think you just have to surrender to the experience is what I've decided to do, which doesn't mean surrender to life, right? Like give up and roll over. It just means surrender to the, to the experience, go all in and know that it's going to take you places that you didn't even think you were going to go. You're going to check boxes in your life that uh, you really had no intention of checking, right? Yeah. But such as such it is, it's going to be. So what are, what are the most prevalent things on your mind now that you see happen? We're a few weeks out from midterms and mm -hmm. I am like on the edge of my seat. I said, we live in New York and I freaking hate the winter. I mourn the passing of summer every year. It's a yep. pretty nice fall here, but I know it's coming next, but this is the first time that I can remember in my life that I will will time away in order to get to the midterms. If, if it means that we have some hope, the pendulum begins to swing back. Like I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice, like I would speed up time to make that happen. And I would never do that ordinarily. Right. But what are your predictions? Well, it's tough because, you know, I think that, you know, in, in, in any life thing, you want to you want to be challenged. It's like you want to take on the hardest challenge. It's like, you know, depending on what you believe, it's like you're never, you know, God or whatever never faces you with a challenge that you can't, you know, that you can't tackle. So when I look at this world, it almost makes the business world that I 
I guess you could say I used to be in, but I'm not in as much now because I'm in the political world with the business added to it. Um, I used to think that was hard, but this is way harder. This is like being in the ninth inning with a full count all the time. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's not like this business fails or this client falls through. It's like global cataclysm. So it seems so daunting sometimes that I have to just be like, oh my God, I go outside and look at the ocean and be like, all right, even if, <laughs> even if they get, even if they get us, you know, at least we made it this far. Um, as far as the predictions are concerned, it's hard to tell. I, I feel like we can be kind of, uh, we can kind of be victims of tunnel vision sometimes where it's like, if you go online, you could think that this person or this thing has all this yeah. momentum, but right. then you can see how it actually plays out in real life and be like, how, how could that have been possible? Um, so, you know, I went to Chicago this past weekend and I'm walking around in this, in a, in a major American city and nothing will give you a cross section of society, like doing that. You know, when I'm in Florida, it's very Floridian, even though there's people vacationing here, you don't see the same things that you see in Chicago. And, you know, I saw two adult human persons with two children in strollers and they don't have a mask on. And the two kids that are in strollers have oh, no. surgical, surgical masks on. And mm -hmm. I'm like outside now outside. And I'm just like, if you, if you don't even have the wherewithal to research the effect that this is having on your child, and then you're not going to wear the mask because obviously they got the juice. I'm sure that's the reason they're like, well, I got juice, but the kids can't get juice because they're three. Uh, but I'm going to go buy them a child's surgical mask and have them wear it outside. It's like, if you don't have the discernment or the, or the, I guess you could say the care to even look into that. It's like, tell me who you voted for without telling me who you voted for or, or how completely tuned out you are. So it's things like that, that make me question humanity all the time where I'm just like, dude, you think it's so obvious, but it's just not. Um, I, I choose to be optimistic. It's the only way to make it through this time. So I would say that I hope that when push comes to shove and people are standing there in front of the ballot, that they say, I'm sick of my financial position being garbage. I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to, I want to be able to stretch my grocery budget to what I used to be able to, you know, the winter is cost is going to cost me a ton of money. And I hope that people have the foresight to know that even though the Republican party may not be perfect in every issue, economic security is such a huge aspect of our life and controls so many other things. And most importantly of all, I think everyone would unanimously agree that your health is the number one thing in the entire world that matters more than anything else. These demons can do whatever they're going to do, but your ability to sustain and your family's ability to sustain their health is number one. Well, what affects your health the most? Food, shelter, your financial position. It's like, they are making the food more expensive. They're making the shelter more expensive. They're making the energy that heats that shelter and your ability to move around and go make money more expensive. If you're an electrician that works in middle America and you have to drive 10 miles to work or 20 miles to work every single day, your money just got blown out. And I think that I hope that people say, you know what, this maybe matters a little bit more than whether or not you have an electric car. I hope that people realize that, hey, this maybe matters a little bit more than somebody being able to go into a bathroom that they think they should be able to go into. I think people hopefully will realize that, you know, at the end of all this, like 
if you're going to tell, if you're going to tell somebody that they can change their gender when they're seven years old, like that is bad. But no matter whether I believe that is bad and high in, high in my mind, that's definitely not good in addition to all of these economic threats. So I just hope that people choose the right, make the right decision in that regard, understanding that a lot of our, a lot of aspects of life are downstream from, from economic prosperity and security and your ability to have a thriving economy. It's like our safety as a nation relies on that. Our health relies on that and so many other things. So I just hope people make the right decision in that respect. So what do you think is, I mean, you and I both know that there are plenty of people, plenty of smart, successful, kind, loving, funny, caring people who still believe that that Democratic ticket is the way to go, who still believe yeah. that, you know, the Republicans are terrorists, Nazis, fascists, whatever it is you want to call us or conservatives are trying to ruin the country who still stand on that leg and who, even though they may not have faith in Biden in terms of his cognitive ability and all that, will still stand by him yeah. and and will vote the Democratic ticket all the way just because they probably they still have lingering. They hate Trump so much and they've been mes mesmerized and kind of mind molded by the by the media. But on their point of view, they would say the same to us. They would say that. We're in this cult um, and they just lump yeah. all conservatives into Trumpists, right? Like yep. if you're a conservative or you must love Trump, you must think everything he says and does is you must have a statue of him. You must bow down and worship him because you're all fucking crazy mm -hmm. and you're all in this cult and you're fascist and terrible people. Like they, they still believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that enough of people who are in that camp will have that cognizant moment if they haven't already what what can we do to help that switch flip well i i certainly hope i certainly hope that they do and you know what i try to say to people that ask me that question is that if i knew a better way to do it than the way that i'm doing it yeah. that's what i would do um i think that the best way to do it is to find you know where do you have strength and where is the market responding to your behavior and where can you make the most impact? If I thought I could make the most impact protesting in the street, I would do that. But I think that aside from the aside from the necessary business aspects of what I'm doing, I feel like the I feel like the altruism is the thing that gets me up in the morning to do this more so than anything else and saying, you know, this is what I think the world needs to have and needs to see. So that's what I'm trying to do every day is like, how do I reach a person that otherwise wouldn't want to pay attention? I have to make something that's fun and entertaining and informative that encourages them to travel down that path. I have to have, you know, zany antics to some degree that could, that you could objectively find funny, even if you disagreed with me. And that has always kind of been my strategy to try to reach out to those people and convince the people that are in the middle. Um, I think that you, you have to, you have to want something in order to get it. Nobody else can make you want it. And in the same way that I would assume that people, you know, 
stop drinking alcohol or stop eating fast food or, or have, or, or solve a substance abuse problem. It's like, no matter how many people tell you it's bad and it's going to kill you and whatever else, if you don't want it, you don't want it. And the, the only way that I feel like you can help somebody in that respect is to, is to kind of like poke fun at it and also show what is possible in a world without it. Because no, it doesn't matter how much I tell you about something. What matters is the results that you see as a result of seeing how I behave outside of it. You know, I could, I stopped smoking weed two and a half years ago and I, you could have never told me in a million years to stop smoking weed. You could have never convinced me with any argument ever, but it was like, here's what I did. And here's what happened as a result. You do what you got to do. This is what I learned here it is. And I'll do more to help somebody to stop smoking weed by that, the actions, the execution than I would by ever trying to convince them logically. So the same thing goes with this. It's like an, a piece of information comes out in real time. I make fun of the fact that how could you believe that instead of just being like, here's the fact, here's what it is. And this is what you're supposed to think. It's like, isn't it stupid that people think this is normal? I, I don't know any other, I don't know any other way to do it other than that. So that's what I try to do every day. Yeah. Well, you know, more power to you for doing it. I forget who found you first. If I found you first or if Dave found you first, do you remember who, who that was, producer Dave? I think I found you first, Bobby. I'm just got to say, nice. I think I started laughing along with you first and I'm like, Dave, you got to check this dude out. <laughs> <laughs> and he liked it, but you know, you're right. I mean, that is how I think. And I say this all the time. I feel like humor is such an effective tool in so many things. Um, you know, I, put it in my resilience toolkit, right? But and certainly in terms of teaching things and communicating with people and connecting with people, I think humor is a really good segue to it. How was it? How was your show with Chad Prather? Oh, it was a blast. I I, I had never I never thought I always loved stand up comedy, but I never yeah. thought I would I never, I never aspired to be a stand-up comedian, even though I had a lot of respect for them. I guess I just, I guess I just never really thought that it had enough purpose. Um, and what I mean by that is not to downplay the value of it, but I kind of looked at it in the same way that I look at musicians. It's like, I would look at somebody like a Paul McCartney and say, this guy lives a great life, travels around the world, music that makes people happy, a valuable asset to the whole game. But if I had to interview Paul McCartney or interview, you know, the president of the United States or the CEO of a big company that hired hundreds of thousands of people, I felt that that the that the CEO had more purpose. There was more output than the happiness. I kind of weighed it differently, um, and I think that I think that in the political realm, uh, in the political realm, I value that even more because they're helping other people create jobs for other people. So. The opportunity to be do a stand up show with Chad, I, I found so interesting, and I'm like, well, I I love public speaking. All this stuff has been good. Could I do it? Here's another challenge that um that would be great. And uh, I wrote a 20 minute set, which I think most comedians would consider to be a pretty long uh, period of time for a first uh, for a first stand up set. Um, I was kind of nervous about it, but I knew that I would ace it like like everything I really put my mind to. Um, my folks were there and it was a blast. It was such a fun time. A sensation that I that I haven't gotten from speeches um, and even from online and something that I want to cultivate and and add as a skill um, to the arsenal, so to speak. So it was a blast and I'm actually going to do a few more shows with him um, in, I believe, 
November, um, and then some other ones with uh, with two other people that will be announced soon. Nice. Uh, you know, he, he's going to come to our summit. He's going to be a part of that and he's going to awesome. help us spread that out and fill that out. I, I got to go, I, we had him on this show and then I got to go to Texas to be on his yeah. show with him. I saw um, that. Dude, yeah. We just laughed our asses off, man. That guy yeah. is <laughs> he's hilarious, but he's, a, he's also like scary smart too. No, exactly. Um, Unassuming. Like so many, so many layers to, to that dude you can peel back. Um, yep. So yeah, so that'll be that'll be a, another fun event to have him come join our Great American Summit lineup. And then you'll get to be reunited with him again there. And you can, Yeah, no, it's cool. It, that's the thing about, he has a very similar story to yeah. my, myself. It's like he made a YouTube or he made a Facebook video in his truck. Just, his truck. <laughs> yeah, ranting six years yeah. ago. And that's, that, that I think is a, is a testament to the perseverance and the innovation that comes from a single market, uh, a single market movement. It's he didn't know that this was the thing, and now he's created this this uh, this octopus of business that he's got tentacles that go over here. He sells T-shirts, he does live events, he has music, he does stand up, and he he's just innovating and working his way into as many. And places in between, as he then can. he ran for governor too, just to- right. In all this free time. <laughs> no, that's right. And such right? and again, it's yeah. like what a cool, what a cool trajectory. And you know, I think many people would look at somebody like him and say, if he can do that, I can do that, which I think is a good message for anybody. Mm-hmm. And on top of it all, it's like it's a testament that if you just stick to something, these are the opportunities that create themselves. You know, his his stand-up has gotten better, his live show or his show has gotten better. He's gonna do a live event now here, and he's just continuing to innovate and doing what I think is a great service for everybody and having a fun time doing it. Yeah, awesome. All right. So if you have one, say Bobby, say Bobby Sausalito jumps into this election at the last minute and you are now president of the United States in this next cycle, yeah. your first day in office, what is your address to Americans? And what are a couple of things that you would, what's some business you would take care of right off the bat? Well, I think, um, I think one of the first things that I would try to do, and maybe this is just present day me, and I don't know if if this is how it would actually play out. But I think that I think that fiscal responsibility is kind of the is kind of like the top tier element where all of these other things fall into place. So I would I would try to remove a lot of the um, what's the right word for it? Uh, a lot of the um, pageantry. That's the right word. I would try to remove a lot of the pageantry of the position and say, "Listen, I'm going to only I'm going to only spend money, time, and effort on things that are going to advance these things forward." So, for example, Joe Biden goes to Florida to give a speech in front of you know the wreckage, and Ben Shapiro talks about this. It's like there's nothing he there's nothing he can do there. There's no benefit of him being there. The best thing that he could do is direct the resources so that that place gets the improvements that it needs. But this is a waste of money. Him flying Air Force One to Delaware to vote in an election when he could have done a, a ballot election, having sports teams to the White House and having this big this big pageantry about it. I think that there's a lot of wasteful spending on things that don't matter, that don't benefit the American people. So one thing that I would do is I'd say, you know, I'm going to make this very short and to the point. 
Just watch what I do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the strategy. I'm going to execute on it. And that's it. I'm not going to give you a bunch of fluff because I think that what what bothers me the most about listening to politicians speak is it's all gas. It's all promises. It's almost like it's almost like if you were going on a date with a person and they told you what they were about to do in the relationship. It's like I don't I don't want to hear it. And maybe the first couple of relationships you have, you'd be like, "This sounds great," but eventually you'd be like, "I don't know if you ever saw Shawshank Redemption." Eventually you would be like Morgan Freeman's character when he when he tries to get out of jail at the very end. He's like, "You guys aren't going to let me out." He's like, "I've been to this parole board twenty times. You guys are going to rubber stamp me and put me right back in the cell. So why don't we just get this over with?" He's he's done with the with the mm-hmm. with the platitudes. So that would be kind of my first priority is like, I'm not going to sit here and give you some elaborate speech. I'm not going to squander money on anything that doesn't, that money need, doesn't need to be squandered on. I'm going to focus on balancing the budget and stop wasting money on needless things. That means that my parade down, down, uh, you know, down the middle of, uh, of Washington, DC, do we even need that? Do we need? the pageant because what you guys need is the following. And that's one thing that I love about Ron DeSantis is he'll be like, here's what, here was the problem. Here's what I did to solve it. Here was the result. His speeches are not all of these fluffy, this fluffy garbage. It's just like problem, execution, result. And that would be my primary focus if I was to be in there is like the money problem will solve a lot of these other problems. It'll solve a lot of the cultural problems. It'll solve the college problem. It'll solve all of this stuff. We need to remove all of this squandering of money. Like the Department of Education and a variety of other bloated federal agencies are completely worthless. And that's why I feel like Ron Paul was so ahead of the, uh, so ahead of the ball on this um, that spending will be our, our downfall. And I think that a lot of these other problems happen as a result of that. So that would be my number one priority. All right. But then what about all the people who say, but you're so selfish if you don't give to Ukraine, if we don't take care of all these people coming over our border legally and wrap them up and feed them and provide for them. And if we don't pay student loans off for people, you know, what's the, What's that? I know my answer to that. You know, yeah. I know where I'm coming from. What is your answer when people say it's selfish to not give and take care of everybody who needs to be taken care of rather than expect people to work for it and suffer along the way and to have inequity in class and all that? What's to say class inequity is unfair? I would say that prioritization is the primary task of the leader. And there are always problems, always will be problems. There will always be a, uh, you know, a loose end. There's no escaping that. But prioritization of the highest tier items is the, is the reason why I'm in this position and not the next person. In business, there could be a hundred things wrong with the business, but I need to take care of the fire in the kitchen more than I need to take care of, you know, the garbage out in front. I have to make sure that the house doesn't burn down. So these are all problems. We all agree with that. But the, the prioritization of, look, American citizens first, it's like, how do we even, how are we even debating that? I don't understand how any rational person could say that a U.S. that a that a U.S. military veteran should not be prioritized over the citizens of Ukraine. I don't care what bad thing is happening in Ukraine or anywhere else in the world. Ukraine's got to handle Ukraine, and 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 same goes for countries like Afghanistan. It's like you had twenty years to prepare yourself. If you don't have the capacity to protect yourself, sorry, 
if we train you how to do it, if we show you what to do and you don't do it, if you don't step up, if you don't protect, then are there not other problems in the world? If I could, if I'm going to walk down an American, uh, the street in an American city and see people suffering in America, I don't understand how you could prioritize any other nation over that. And I think that, you know, it, it's the, it's the sign of like an empire in decline. I was just watching this podcast just a minute ago where they talked about how Joe Biden just went down to Puerto Rico and said he's going to give $60 million of taxpayer money to Puerto Rico to help solve the ailing energy grid. And then in the exact same 24-hour span, give $625 million to Ukraine. And it's like, you're talking 10 times as much for American citizens. So to me, the fact that any rational person can think that that's all right um, is troubling to me. And on top of it all, you got Ted Cruz being for it. You got Dan Crenshaw being for it. You got all these Republicans that are supposed to be America first that will go out and rah-rah in front of a crowd and say, vote for me. I'm here to protect you. And then go and just send money to Ukraine. And I understand the strategic, whatever you want to say, but both parties are guilty of this. And mm-hmm. the only solution that I, I keep saying it over and over again, and I will as long as it takes, the problem is big government. The problem is not the right or the left, certainly more the left than the right, but the problem is big government. We squander so much money. And if you were to think about the amount of money that you personally have invested in tax dollars in the last 24 months, and what could have happened if, imagine if that was put into your, just your immediate area, just your immediate, just your county. Think about how prosperous the county would be, how valuable and how strong the police force would be if the people that felt the pain got to affect it right away. It's like, when you look at everything on this big global macro scale, you lose sight of the real glue of it all, which is the, the everyday people in the small communities. It's like if you have an HOA that has 5,000 houses versus an HOA that has 50 houses, which do you think is going to be run better? So it just goes to show that the local municipalities are where the real change is made. And, and, if we take this top-down globalist approach to everything, we lose. The city of Fort Lauderdale has 185,000 people or whatever. And there's probably other cities in America that have a similar size that are rife with crime. Why is Fort Lauderdale nicer? Is it because the people have more money here? No, it's because they understand that if you don't solve the crime, you get no tourism, you make no money, you get no return, you get no investment, you get no citizens, you get no tax dollars, all that stuff comes downstream from it. So the city of Fort Lauderdale sees a crime or a criminal act and they shut that down really fast. These woke cities allow themselves to go into disrepair and people are so tuned out and in space that they don't even, they don't even realize that the crime and the lack of management and the squandering of money is ruining their city. You you have this, you have the mayor of, I think it's um, New Orleans prioritizing art installations and first class tickets to Paris, literally. And the city and people are being murdered there at a record clip. And then people are like, well, what about all these murders? And she's like, I don't believe the numbers. It's like <laughs> how people choose this it's it's tragic and and if if we were to if we were to save the world in our own little way i believe that uh, convincing people to simply look at it um is is like the the most important thing we can do right now that's why that's why that's why this is what you and i and all of us are trying to do 
Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up on a high note here, Bobby Sauce, because, you know, you're a funny guy, right? But, uh, and so, and humor and optimism, even though you say the world is trash, you say it in a way that's still funny, right? <laughs> even yeah. though there's like an element of truth to it. Yeah. So, um, what are some good things that you see happening out there now that can lead you to believe that the pendulum is swinging back? I think that the conversation is becoming more palatable for people where five years ago, 10 years ago, if you were to bring up a politics to any person, they would be like, no, 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 we're not talking about that. And understandably so. And I think that the fact that more people are talking about it and the fact that their overreach is getting even more egregious is opening up that conversation. It's kind of like it's the ebb and flow of nature. You know, they took too much. Now we can talk about it. People like us are making it more palatable for people to have these conversations. Like, yeah, these masks are pretty stupid. Even if it's a minute, now it's in the it's in the conversation. So I think that the 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 greatest advancement of all this is that paying attention is not only just necessary, but it can actually be. I guess, for lack of a better term, cool, I guess. Um, whereas I don't think that anybody that I knew when I was 20 years old would go to a political rally right. of any sort unless they fashioned themselves a political science major. Now, I go to a Turning Point event and there's 10,000 college kids there and kids in high school that are spending not only their money and time, but are in the sessions thinking and learning and, and and talking with each other. And it's very inspiring to me to see that. And I think that, you know, people like Charlie Kirk, who started Turning Point, and people like us and so many of the other creators that are making this digestible media are the ones that are advancing the culture forward and helping this in more ways than I even think we can realize now. I think that 30 years ago, people would have said, you know, I never heard anybody talk like Rush Limbaugh talked, or I never, I never had a person that I could align with that that spoke to me directly. And now that's Tucker. Now that's Jesse Waters. Now that's a lot of the creators that we see online, people that we see on Instagram, people that would have otherwise never had a had the ability to reach people. Now are palatable, and you can have the funny political person, you can have the data driven political person, you can have the the guy with the inside scoop that's first on the first on the scene, and um. And I think that all of these things contribute and help towards the future that we need and we want. So I think this, just the fact that people are paying attention um, is, the, is the best thing that I've seen. And I think that as long as we keep grinding it, despite all of this uh, opposition pressure from the social platforms and from you know whatever, you can't say this, you can't say that um, – I think that we win in the end. I think that the good will rise to the top. So I, I stay optimistic in the fact that um, more people are paying attention and we're still showing up for it because our purpose outweighs the pressure. It's like it's so it's so necessary that no matter how many times they come at us, we're just like, what am I going to do? Nothing. I'm just going to do nothing. I'm going to complain about it and let this burn everything to the ground. What about? my children, potentially grandchildren, like what about them? So um, I think the cause is so great that 
people are waking up and it's continuing to move on and I feel good about it. All right. So Bobby, for people who may not already know, tell them where they can find you online and connect with you. Bobbysauce.com is all my stuff. And if you want to follow me on all the social platforms, just go to followbobby.com. Followbobby.com. All right. That's right. Bobby, thank you again so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Thanks for being a part of our first summit. Thanks for already saying I'm getting you to commit right here to say that you'll come back for our second summit. We're going to lock those dates in here soon, hopefully this week, um, because, you know, I'm in stalker mode to make sure that all happens again. And we'll we'll let you know when those dates happen. But again, we really appreciate you. I love catching you every day. Thanks for adding a little splash of humor to the trauma happening (laughs) every day in this country. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 